Hello everyone, it's July 17th. This is the one-year Bible tour in which we encourage your reading the Bible through from cover to cover each year. My name is David McAdam and my goal is to be a helper of your joy, an encourager of your faith, and a tour guide for our Bible reading, pointing out important details to show you how they relate to the overarching story of the Bible, which certainly comes into focus with the book of Romans in the New Testament, which so often refers to what we have already read in the Old Testament books. The human race has been afflicted with an incurable disease far more destructive than COVID or cancer. It is the problem of sin, and 100% of its recipients die from it. And right from the beginning of the Bible, we hear of a remedy that will reverse the curse, the promised seed of a woman, the promised seed of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, who is Jesus of Nazareth, who is declared to be the Son of God with power by his resurrection from the dead. Those who turn from their sinful idolatries and believe on him who fulfills this promise are not only acquitted of their guilt before God, their holy judge, but they are pronounced righteous. They know the joyful verdict that their sins have been washed away. King David, whose life was riddled with his own failures, was able to describe the sheer joy, the immense relief of knowing his transgression is forgiven and his sin has been put away. He sings of God's mercy. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. We read more about the reign of King David today as we continue to read the book of First Chronicles. And this central theme of salvation through faith in the Messiah, as it appears in the Old Testament account of such believers such as Abraham and David, is emphasized in the New Testament book of Romans that we continue to read today. So first, let's go to the book of First Chronicles. First Chronicles chapter 24 is where we will be starting today beginning with verse 1, and this year I am reading from the English Standard Version. First Chronicles chapter 24, David organizes the priests, beginning with verse 1. The divisions of the sons of Aaron were these, the sons of Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. But Nadab and Abihu died before their father and had no children, so Eleazar and Ithamar became the priests. With the help of Zadok of the sons of Eleazar, and Ahimelech of the sons of Ithamar, David organized them according to the appointed duties in their service. Since more chief men were found among the sons of Eleazar than among the sons of Ithamar, they organized them under sixteen heads of fathers' houses of the sons of Eleazar, and eight of the sons of Ithamar. They divided them by lot, all alike, for there were sacred officers and officers of God among both the sons of Eleazar and the sons of Ithamar. And the scribe Shemaiah, the son of Nathanel, a Levite, recorded them in the presence of the king and the princes and Zadok the priest and Ahimelech the son of Abiathar and the heads of the fathers' houses of the priests and of the Levites, one father's house being chosen for Eleazar and one chosen for Ithamar. The first lot fell to Jehoiarib, the second to Jediah, the third to Harim, the fourth to Seorim, the fifth to Malchiah, the sixth to Mijamin, the seventh to Hakoz, the eighth to Abijah, the ninth to Jeshua, the tenth to Shechaniah, the eleventh to Eliashib, the twelfth to Jakim, the thirteenth to Huppah, the fourteenth to Jeshabeab, the fifteenth to Bilgah, the sixteenth to Imer, the seventeenth to Hezer, the eighteenth to Hapazez, the nineteenth to to Pethahiah, the twentieth to Jehezkel, the twenty-first 
to Jaqing, the 22nd to Gamul, the 23rd to Deliah, the 24th to Maaziah. These had as their appointed duty in their service to come into the house of the Lord according to the procedure established for them by Aaron their father, as the Lord God of Israel had commanded him. And of the rest of the sons of Levi, of the sons of Amram, Shubael, of the sons of Shubael, Jediah, of Rahabiah, of the sons of Rahabiah, Ishiah the chief, of the Isharites, Shalomoth, of the sons of Shalomoth, Jahath, the sons of Hebron, Jeriah the chief, Amariah the second, Jehaziel the third, Jechameam the fourth, the sons of Uziel, Micah, of the sons of Micah, Shamir, the brother of Micah, Ishiah, of the sons of Ishiah, Zechariah, the sons of Marari, Malai and Mushai, the sons of Jaaziah, Benno, the sons of Marari, of Jaaziah, Benno, Shokam, Zakur, and Ibri, of Malai, Eleazar, who had no sons, of Kish, the sons of Kish, Jeremiah, the sons of Mushai, Malai, Eder, and Jeremoth. These were the sons of the Levites according to their fathers' houses. These also, the head of each father's house, and his younger brother alike, cast lots, just as their brothers, the sons of Aaron, in the presence of King David, Zadok, Ahimelech, and the heads of the fathers' houses of the priests and of the Levites. Chapter 25. David Organizes the Musicians. David and the chiefs of this service also set apart for this service the sons of Asaph and of Heman and of Jeduthun, who prophesied with lyres, with harps, and with cymbals. The list of those who did the work and of their duties was of the sons of Asaph, Zachor, Joseph, Nethaniah, and Asherela, sons of Asaph, under the direction of Asaph, who prophesied under the direction of the king. Of Jeduthun, the sons of Jeduthun, Gedaliah, Zeri, Jeshaiah, Shemai, Hashabiah, and Mattathiah, six, under the direction of their father Jeduthun, who prophesied with the lyre in thanksgiving and praise to the Lord. Of Heman, the sons of Heman, Bukiah, Mataniah, Uziel, Shebuel, and Jerimoth, Hananiah, Hanani, Eliatha, Gedalti, and Ramanti Ezer, Jashbekashah, Malothai, Hothir, Mahazioth. All these were the sons of Heman, the king's seer, according to the promise of God to exalt him, for God had given Heman fourteen sons and three daughters. They were all under the direction of their father in the music in the house of the Lord with cymbals, harps, and lyres for the service of the house of God. Asaph, Jeduthun, and Heman were under the order of the king. The number of them, along with their brothers, who were trained in singing to the Lord, all who were skillful, was two hundred and eighty-eight. And they cast lots for their duties, small and great, teacher and pupil alike. The first lot fell for Asaph, to Joseph, the second to Gedaliah, to him and his brothers and his sons, twelve, the third to Zakur, his sons and his brothers, twelve, the fourth to Isri, his sons and his brothers, twelve, the fifth to Nathaniah, his sons and his brothers, twelve, the sixth to Bukiah, his sons and his brothers, twelve, the seventh to Jeshurela, 
his sons and his brothers twelve, the eighth to Deshaiah, his sons and his brothers twelve, the ninth to Mataniah, his sons and his brothers twelve, the tenth to Shimei, his sons and his brothers twelve, the eleventh to Azarel, his sons and his brothers twelve, the twelfth to Hashabiah, his sons and his brothers twelve, to the thirteenth Shubael, his sons and his brothers twelve, to the fourteenth Mattathiah, his sons and his brothers twelve, to the fifteenth to Jeremoth, his sons and his brothers twelve, to the sixteenth to Hananiah, his sons and his brothers twelve, to the seventeenth to Jashbekasha, his sons and his brothers twelve, to the eighteenth to Hanani, his sons and his brothers twelve, to the nineteenth to Malothai, his sons and his brothers twelve, to the twentieth to Eliathah, his sons and his brothers twelve, to the twenty-first to Hothir, his sons and his brothers twelve, to the twenty-second to Gedalti, his sons and his brothers twelve, to the twenty-third to Mahazioth, his sons and his brothers twelve, to the twenty-fourth to Romanti Ezer, his sons and his brothers twelve. Chapter twenty-six Divisions of the Gatekeepers As for the divisions of the gatekeepers, of the Korahites, Meshelamiah, the son of Koreh, of the sons of Asaph. And Meshelamiah had sons, Zechariah the firstborn, Jediel the second, Zebediah the third, Jathniel the fourth, Elam the fifth, Jehohanan the sixth, Eliahoenai the seventh. And Obedidim had sons, Shemaiah the firstborn, Jehozabad the second, Joah the third, Sakhar the fourth, Nathanel the fifth, Amiel the sixth, Issachar the seventh, Baolethi the eighth, for God blessed him. Also to his son Shemaiah were sons born who were rulers in their father's houses, for they were men of great ability. The sons of Shemaiah, Othni, Raphael, Obed, and Elzabad, were brothers who were able men, Elihu and Semachiah. All these were of the sons of Obedidim, with their sons and brothers, able men qualified for the service, sixty-two of Obedidim. And Meshelamiah had sons and brothers, able men, eighteen. And Hosa of the sons of Merari had sons, Shimri the chief, for though he was not the firstborn, his father made him chief, Hilkiah the second, Tebaliah the third, Zechariah the fourth, all the sons and brothers of Hosa were thirteen. And this concludes today's portion from our Old Testament reading from the book of First Chronicles. Now let's take a few steps back and reflect upon what we have just read. When reading the passage in First Chronicles today, you will notice the importance of both the ministries of the priest, that is the sons of Aaron, and the Levites, the descendants of Levi apart from the Aaronic line. Levites were trained in the word and in musical skill. Let us pray for a new generation who are gifted, mentored, and raised up to serve in these areas. There is a sobering reminder that God's work must be done God's way. God desires worship that is true to His word. The judgments of Nadab and Abihu in the Old Testament, in Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, and Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, highlight this fact. The purpose was that God would show His holiness to those who are near Him, and his glory before all the people. These acts generated among God's people a reverential fear of the Lord and the terms of his gospel. 
but Nadab and Abihu died before their father and had no sons. So Eleazar and Ithamar served as priests. First Chronicles chapter 24, verse 2. The Aaronic line of descendants was halved by the self-will of Nadab and Abihu, who insisted on worshiping the Lord in their own way. In Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1, chapter 16, verse 1, Numbers chapter 3, verse 4, and Numbers chapter 26, verse 61. One of Eleazar's descendants, Zadok, helped King David to organize the ministries of the kingdom's priesthood. The Apostle Peter reminds New Testament believers that we are a royal priesthood. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, we are appointed to proclaim the excellencies of Christ who has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Do you recognize your station? Where has God placed you to show forth His praises? In what ways are you stirring people's hearts to give glory to God? David divides the priest into 24 groups so that each group would serve for two weeks out of the year. Because of the way the Jewish year was divided, this arrangement would cause each priest to be ministering before the Lord at various times of the year. Their assigned weeks of their annual service would gradually shift to a later time in the calendar year. This arrangement was restored after the Babylonian exile and was still practiced in the New Testament era when Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, received a word from the Lord during his allotted time of service. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. The Gospel according to Luke chapter 1 verse 5. And then in verses 8 through 9 we read, Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. This practice of choosing by lot from eligible family members was to ensure that no favoritism was being shown when it came to executing the privileges of various priestly services in 1 Chronicles chapter 24, verse 31. In chapter 25, we are reminded that words put to music can speak to the hearts of God's people. As we read through the Bible, we learn that to prophesy does not always denote predicting the future. Prophecy is speaking forth for encouragement, warning, and correction. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs were sometimes accompanied by stringed instruments and percussion. In the Old Testament, those who prophesied could be farmers in Amos chapter 1 verse 1, wives in 2 Kings chapter 22 verse 14, sons and daughters in Joel chapter 2 verse 28, leaders in Deuteronomy chapter 34 verse 10, as well as musicians in 1 Chronicles chapter 25 verse 3. Music, poetry, and prose can be used of God to bring people to put their trust in Him. We need to hear from those who speak for God today in all sectors of society. We were reminded earlier in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 32, that Solomon wrote 1,005 psalms, but only two made it into the Bible's songbook, the book of Psalms, Psalm 72 and Psalm 127. Writing psalms can be a good spiritual exercise, but not all musical compositions bear the test of time or are necessarily inspired by the Holy Spirit. Charles Wesley and Fanny Crosby each wrote thousands of hymns. Charles wrote more than 6,000, Fanny Crosby more than 8,000. We are thankful that we sing some of them still today. Fanny Crosby, according to her own words, would be thankful that we do not sing them all today. The sons of Juduthan, 
prophesied using the harp, giving thanks and praise to the Lord, in 1 Chronicles chapter 25, verse 3. The gatekeepers are listed in chapter 26. 4,000 men served as the gatekeepers or temple guards, preventing unauthorized people from entering the holy place and profaning it. 1 Chronicles chapter 23, verses 4 and 5. These Levites were also responsible for checking out the equipment and utensils used each day and other administrative responsibilities in managing the service of the temple. Now let's move on to the New Testament. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. Romans chapter 4, Abraham justified by faith. Romans 4, verse 1. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well, and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. This concludes our reading from the New Testament portion from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 4. In this chapter, Paul expounds on the great doctrine of justification by faith in Christ alone, by first pointing to the example of Abraham, a prototype believer, the father of our faith. He argues the simple truth that Abraham was credited as being righteous apart from any justifying works of his own. Romans chapter 4, verse 3. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. This is because the believer's right standing cannot possibly be on any ground of righteousness of his or her own. All have sinned. All stand condemned under the law. Jew and Gentile alike are equally silenced and have no righteousness of their own to boast in. A righteous standing before God is not possible based on our own performance. It is only possible based on the righteous performance of Christ. His righteous living on our behalf and His dying as our substitute, satisfying the demands of God's holy justice, acquits us of guilt and seats us enthroned in God's mercy. The throne of justice that condemned us now forgives us and declares us righteous in Christ. The judgment seat is turned to a mercy seat. Paul explains that our justification before God is a gift and not merited by our works. 
Abraham was credited as righteous in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, before any of the works of obedience that would follow in Genesis chapter 17 and 22. Secondly, Paul cites the example of David in Romans chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. David knew firsthand that God justifies the wicked and testified to this fact in the book of Psalms when he wrote, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Romans chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. Have you grasped God's mercy through trusting the Lord Jesus and the merits of His loving work to put away your sins? There is no other way for a right standing before God. There is no other way to spending eternity in heaven than trusting the sinless substitute who loved us and gave himself for us. Paul then continues his argument that this gift of justification is not merited by any work of our own. He reminds his Jewish readers that Abraham was pronounced righteous when he believed God's promise in Genesis 15:6 long before he was given the command to seal the covenant with the rite of circumcision that distinguished him as a believing Jewish male. In Genesis chapter 17, verses 9 through 27, he was called by God when he was 75 years old and circumcised when he was 99. The ritual was a reminder of his faith in God, but not a work that merited an obligation of God's favor. Now let's go to the Bible's songbook, the book of Psalms, where we are reading from Psalm 13, verses 1 through 6. How long, O Lord? To the choirmaster, a psalm of David. Psalm 13. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. In the psalm we hear the complaint of the human soul to God as it reasons within the limits of its own understanding. How long will I not hear your assurances? How long will I not see your face? How long will I be left to wrestle with my own thoughts and feelings? How long will my enemy triumph over me? The psalmist recognizes that his ultimate need is for God to act on his behalf. Give light to my eyes. Psalm 13 verse 3. Let me see clearly how you are using this trial for your purposes, O God. As he recollects the truth about who God is, his soul is delivered from self-pity, and he exalts God with a song of faith. But I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. Psalm 13, verses 5 and 6. Now, to our next stop on our Bible tour, the book of Proverbs, and we have opened the drawer of chapter 19 in the treasure chest, and we read today verses 15 and 16. Slothfulness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. Whoever keeps the commandment keeps his life. He who despises his ways will die. 
Today we have another warning in the book of Proverbs not to be lazy, but to fully give ourselves to walking according to the operating power of the Holy Spirit, that is, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Slothfulness leads to wasting precious time. Instead of reaping the reward of labor to stave off hunger, the lazy person suffers a lack as a result of his careless neglect. Be careful to obey God's word. Those who hold God's instruction with contempt will suffer the consequences for it. The wages of sin is death. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to seal what we have learned upon our hearts, that we would walk in the light of what He has shown us. We rejoice in your loving kindness and mercy, Father. It inspires our songs of thanksgiving and praise. You have turned the tables on our enemies, delivering us from the bondage of sin and death. You have launched a rescue that has brought us from death to life, calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. We sing of the merits of our Savior who has purchased us with his own blood. We rejoice in our salvation and ask that you fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we might boldly proclaim the gospel wherever you send us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I hope that you have profited from reading through First Chronicles and the book of Romans and the Psalms and the Proverbs today. If you would like to receive a email with the written copy of our summary, you can subscribe by going to our website, newlife.org. And if you would like to contact us with any of your questions or comments, you can by writing podcasts at newlife.org. Wherever you are, we pray that you are alert to the grace of God, whether you're experiencing summer in the Northern Hemisphere or winter in the Southern Hemisphere, whatever season you are in, we pray that you would know the steadfast love of the Lord for every season. May His peace and joy flood your soul. Until next time, Shalom. May all be well with your soul.